This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining us on The Voice of the Shepherd. In for Archbishop Sample today is Bishop Peter Smith. And as we continue our conversations, Bishop Smith, just earlier this in January, you just came back from a a pretty amazing conference, the Focus Conference 2023. It was called Seek 23. In fact, um, the first official week of January. So I thought we'd spend a little time talking about focus, a little bit about the mission of evangelization and how the church really reaches this particular segment of uh, young adults, Catholics in college, universities, et cetera, but also the role of the bishop. You have a role to play in that as well. So um, thanks for coming back on the program today. Great to be with you, Dina Maria, and good to be with all of you who are uh, listening to this directly over the radio or live streaming it or listening to the recording. Thank you for supporting uh, Martyr Day Radio. So I got back from uh, on St. Louis where the focus, that's Fellowship of Catholic University Students annual conference was held. And uh, I'll give you a little background about it, about the, the organization. So it started out, um, the, the founders, a man by the name of Curtis Martin, who encountered Campus Crusade for Christ, later became Catholic, and as went to Steubenville, and as he was going through life, uh, some of his classmates of Steubenville are all the sort of who's who of what's going on in movements in the church today. It's, it's quite impressive. But uh, as he was reflecting, and he and others, it's, well, why can't so this methodology work for us? Mm-hmm. So out of that came uh, focus, um, and they, they the, 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 the methodology is they go on campuses, they work with campus ministries, they don't replace them, but they have missionaries who go out, usually two men and two women, and they will go out and they will gather students together, do Bible studies, start doing other activities, help them grow in faith and bring them to a point where they have embraced faith in a deeper way. And they run these annual conferences, they run other events as well to help support the faith of students. And then at the end of the, uh, the students' uh, college time, uh, there's an opportunity for students who wish to be missionaries themselves. And this is where it gets really interesting, because if you sign up and are accepted to be a focused missionary for two years, so you take two years after you've graduated, you're expected to finance yourself. So that, I mean, this is serious commitment. These young men and women are very seriously committed. And they then raise money to support themselves, and then they go into missionary work on campuses for two or more years. And it really shapes and forms them and gives them a, a living 
vivifying faith and a wonderful missionary spirit. And we have somebody working at the Archdiocese, Lexi Torres, who's our youth and young adult coordinator, who came out of uh, uh, the Focus Missionary Experience and has just been a wonderful addition for us. Absolute godsend. Uh, we wish there were more like her available that we could hire here to work for the Archdiocese or our parishes could hire. But that's the basic um, uh, of the way that they operate. And I believe they are, are on something like 220 college campuses. So they have about 880 full-time missionaries and reach you know, tens of thousands of people every year. But the conference that they do, they used to have two that would be alternate. One would just be for the missionaries and one would be for the uh, uh, all the students. It looks like they're moving in the direction we're only going to do the one for students. So this one was held in St. Louis. The last two years, I think they did a uh, live stream right. online because of COVID. But this was in the old St. Louis Rams football stadium. And uh, they didn't use the entire stadium. They had about half of it with a curtain and then the stage was up against that and then equipment behind that. And then the rest of it, that end was where everyone sat and, and uh, the sessions were. One of the things that I enjoyed was the vesting area for the priests and the bishops with the locker rooms for the teams. Oh. The, uh, the visitors had locker room A. That was where the priests were and the, the bishops and the chaplains for uh, the chaplains for, for, for the uh, focus missionary, the whole organization, about 10 of them uh, and some others. We had the St. Louis Rams locker room. So it was really fun. I organized the locker I had been given. There's your name on the top. So I organized the locker with the chasuble, my elb, the mitre in the place where the football helmet goes, the zaketa above that, and the petrol cross hanging. Took a, took a couple of photos and then sent it to somebody that I know um, uh, who plays college football at one of our Catholic high schools and said, eat your heart out. <laughs> so that was fun, but the the, uh, the the way it worked is um, during the, in the on the Monday you start with mass and uh, Archbishop Rosansky, who's the Archbishop of St Louis, presided and preached, and then the rest of the week Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday the first thing in the morning is mass, and then you go into the sessions, and then on the Friday there's the keynote address by Curtis Martin, and then we conclude with mass at that point. But the talks were we had all kinds of uh, people that that I'm sure many of our listeners would uh, recognize. So Father Mike Schmitz was there. Mm -hmm. uh, he, sp he, he spoke in a workshop. He also uh, spoke in a main session. And uh, the, the booth that Ascension uh, Media had, when they opened it up, the line waiting for him to sign books was sort of to the door. <laughs> quite amazing. The funny thing was we got onto the plane. When I got onto the plane to fly in, uh, um, it was one of these small planes, so there's one seat on the other side of the aisle and two on this side. So I was sitting on the, the two-seat side on the aisle, and next to me was uh, a woman who works in the Office for Evangelism in St. Paul, Minneapolis. And across the aisle from me was Father Mike Schmitz. Now, he and I had spoken together at a men's conference in Boise some years ago. Uh, I had not planned to speak there. But the uh, the priest who was coming up from, I guess, California to speak on uh, exorcism had to cancel out at the last minute. So Bishop Christensen sort of called me late in the afternoon of the day before. And I said, you know what? I can get there. I'll get there half an hour before the talk. So I flew in, 
gave the talk and uh, Father Mike was there. So it was just good catching up with him. But he got on the plane. He just sat down, put his head down like he's praying. And then he pulls out his book and starts writing. I knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> I didn't say, I just sort of nodded at him and didn't say a word. Kept the conversation going with those around me. Then when we arrived, he got up and then he said, we, we reminded each other we'd seen each other at this. And I said, you were writing your talk, weren't you? And he said, yeah. I said, that's why I didn't uh, bother you or engage you in conversation. But he was there and he was as energetic and as excited and as fiery as he always was. Just wonderful. Sister Miriam Heidland was there. Um, just a wonderful uh, salt sister. And she actually spoke at our priest convocation mm -hmm. Dr. Bob Shooks two years ago. Right. Just a wonderful testimony. Um, so she was there. Uh, Dr. Edward Shree was there. There were plenty of others that were there giving talks or workshops or, or working with the students. But just a lot of activity. They, they, they had a section there called Mission Way. And you walk in there and it's all these religious orders, organ Catholic organizations, religious communities, dioceses, uh, Catholic vendors in there. I mean, I the number of uh, booths they had in there was up to 700. I could see the numbers there. So I went in there and I found Mount Angel Abbey. All right. So, <laughs> yes. So, so there was Brother Anselm and Brother Charles were there with oh, Mount great. Angel Abbey and and. The hot thing there wasn't just the Abbey, but Mount Angel, the the, uh, the Benedictine Brewery. Brewery. So just a lot of fun. The, the two of them did an excellent job. Abbot Jeremy should be very proud of them. <laughs> he sent the right guys. They were engaging to the people and so yeah. on. But all these booths were that way. So you walk around and all this is going on. And, and you can understand it. I mean, you've got 17,000 students or missionaries. And in one sense... This is, to use the expression, it's not doesn't quite convey it. This is a target-rich environment. If you're looking for people for religious communities or for your ministry and your ministry's works and whatever that is, because these are people fired up for the faith who love Jesus, love the Catholic Church, and want to continue serving in the church. So it was just it was just a wonderful thing to see. Another thing that that really impressed me was how many young couples with kids were there. Mm. So these are clearly focused missionaries who have moved on in life, got married, and now they're coming back to their conference and bringing their infants or little kids, or lots of them. And for me, that was part of the reason I went. Part of it is to support Focus, which is operating at the University of Eugene, University of Oregon in Eugene, with the uh, Father Pius, the Dominican pastor there. He was there with quite a contingent of them and their, four, their, their, their team of four. Uh, but when these people are finished with that, consider working for the church in some way, in a parish, in a ministry. I mean, here in the archdiocese, we these are people who have gifts, who have been trained, who can do all these things. And I was just in the bishop's track. There was a bishop's track there. There were there for some of the sessions we just met as bishops. One of the points I made was, you know, when I was pastor at St. Rose. I would have loved to have a couple of families, young couples who came out of focus and say, you know, you guys know how to do Bible studies. Go do it. I'll support you. You keep doing this among our, our parish. And one of the other bishops there, who's a very good friend of mine, 
um, in his parish back in the the the, 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 the south. He started, because of his experience with this, he started running these Bible studies. And, and in order to, he, he uh, it was it was interesting because he decided he, he didn't want everybody coming. So he ran them at six in the morning. <laughs> and within a year, he was running six of them. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then he kept repeating these. And then he brought in the Acts ministry which some of our parishes, Our Lady of the Lake being one, I think St. Anthony's and Tiger, others uh, others have this Acts retreat. And he then funneled the people from the, the Bible studies into the Acts retreat. And he said it, it totally transformed the parish. It just suddenly people's faith started coming alive. They started investing in the parish, becoming missionaries themselves in a sense in the life of the parish. So it just, it was inspiring seeing all of that and seeing all these young people. And you walk down the hallways. I mean, I cannot tell you the number of times I'd be walking down and somebody would say, Bishop, Bishop, can you hear my confession? Or pull you aside and ask questions. And I'm hearing confessions in, in doorways with the door closed, you know, trying to do this. And the confessions, they, they had, uh, you know, confessions were going pretty much nonstop. And then on the Wednesday night, they had this, Eucharistic adoration. And I think there were about 400 priests and the two dozen of us bishops hearing confession pretty much nonstop. And I remember at one point they came and said it was about uh, quarter to 10 in the evening. And they said, guys, can you just give us uh, another half an hour or so? We have 500 more people coming. Oh, wow. Of course, at the time, it didn't dawn on me 500 people. That's like one for every confessor with a few extras. <laughs> but it just it was just wonderful to be there and to be of service. And there were others from the diocese as well. The University of Portland had a group there. Father Tim Reed was there. Um, there were people from the PACE program there that I bumped into as well. Uh, just a, lo a lot of other folks uh, were present. And at one point, we all gathered together for the, uh, all the people from Oregon got together for a group photo. So that was pretty good. The masses were, I remember uh, working on conferences at Notre Dame in the uh, the basketball arena um, years and years ago with 15,000 people and having these masses. And I understand the dynamic and the reason why they do this. Here are these students on this campus in the middle of a very secular environment. Here are these missionaries working hard. And you walk in there and this place is rocking. And you've got all these thousands of college students there fired up for the Jesus, fired up for the Catholic Church, and are putting it on the line mm -hmm. uh, uh, to live a life of faith. I mean, it is incredibly um, faith-building and strengthening and encouraging for them. The masses, they would darken the part of the arena that we use, and the light would be on the stage, which is where they had the altar and everything. And I felt sorry for the poor deacons because the deacons would come in the front behind the, the acolytes carrying the book of the gospel. He would enthrone it on the altar. Then he waited 10 minutes for the procession to come in. You know, you have 400 priests coming in, and then they brought them in in, in, in rows of four. You know? <laughs> and then the bishops after that, until we were all in. And uh, incense all the time, everywhere. But I would look up, and, and in the darkness, they're shining, projecting, the images onto the screen so people can see. 
And it's like this, this beam sort of going out like this through this haze of this sort of smoke in there. Uh, it was just a wonderful environment with, uh, with everything going on. Uh, very, very faith building, very, very exciting. And uh, I guess the only thing that's limiting them growing is uh, getting more missionaries. Definitely worth praying for. We're talking with Bishop Peter Smith about the recent Seek 23 conference uh, hosted by Focus and the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. And for those of you familiar with the University of Oregon, we've had for many years now Focus missionaries, and we've seen some of the uh, fruits of that. I think that's one of the things we see with a, a, a mission like Focus is what are the fruits? And you've already mentioned, Bishop Smith, we see these men and women who are missionaries, they graduate. They move forward. They have um, maybe uh, the vocation to marriage. They have family life and they come back and serve the church. And so, you know, I want to ask you a little bit about the fruits of this type of a conference. And for these young men and women, you've talked before in this program, are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus? You know, and I think these are men and women who aren't just fans. They're just not going to the game but they are truly, there's something deep and rich about their faith and it's growing in um, in a very grace-filled way. What are the things that are really strengthening these men and women's relationship with Jesus Christ to make it such a strong faith and not a, a fan, but to become more of a follower of Christ? The whole life of focus and the way they operate does that. Just before I get onto that, I just want to add this. We should thank Monsignor John Syak because he was on the board of Focus for years or, and he really helped uh, encourage us to bring Focus to the Archdiocese. And it's a wonderful blessing. And uh, we thank him for his, his time. I believe he was on the board at one point, but his time and his effort and his energy in this I think what happens is with these young people is they go from being passive participants in their life of faith. You go to mass on the weekend, you may go and do something. Now what happens is they begin to live out their faith. They begin to explore their faith. They begin to deepen a relationship or begin a relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, however that works in their lives. And suddenly it starts to come alive, you know? So it's like any relationship with somebody, the more you spend time with them, the more you get to know with them, the more that relationship deepens and develops. And the same thing's true here. There's these students develop their relationship with the Lord and develop their relationship with the church. And suddenly, well, not suddenly, but over time, their, their faith comes alive. And now this is something, this blessing that they've received for many of them, they want to take some time and, out of their lives and share that with others. And so in that sense, it sort of builds upon itself. And when others come into that environment of faith, this isn't just a sort of passive thing. These people are alive with faith. And that can be very, very enticing for people because you they look and the students say, these people have got something different than, than everyone else around them. And I think that draws people into that. And when that happens, people start being open to God's direction or invitation for their lives, should I say. So you have the young men and women who now, for the first time perhaps, begin to consider the possibility of being open to a call to a vocation to the priesthood or religious life. 
And in addition to that, you have all these young men and women who are now wanting to get married, but they're living their married lives differently because of their faith. And that will lead to good marriages, good family life, children being raised in a better environment that way. And that all has such an impact uh, on the people around them. It's like they go into parishes, they live this way, they gather people to themselves, impact their lives. It's, uh, it's a wonderful blessing. That's what I would like to see is their missionaries, those who go out and go into parishes, start becoming witnesses in those parishes of the Lord and of his church. Mm-hmm. A very interesting uh, uh, incident happened right near the end. Archbishop Aquila from Denver, which is where they're headquartered, he did. The, he was the presider and preacher at the final mass. But he shared in his homily, which is a marvelous homily, was very, very spiritual, um, just really, really good. But he shared how he'd been talking to some of the employees that work in this place. So obviously, being like a, a big football stadium, or like here, like the Rose Garden, where the Rose Quarter, where the Blazers play. Um, You have all the staff that work there. So it was really interesting seeing the the young people and others interacting with the staff. So he was talking to one of the staff uh, members up there. See, I had a a situation upstairs. They have a VIP booth where we could go. It was nice to just go and take a breather from all the hectic, frenetic energy that was going on in there, which is wonderful. But there's a point at which, okay, let's, Let's just chill for a bit. And I went up there and I was, I didn't see any tea. So I asked this lady, where is that? I said, it was at the far end with a Keurig machine. Then we ended up in about a 30 minute conversation about the church. And she's a fallen away Catholic. Mm -hmm. And it was just a wonderful conversation, not hostile or justified. She was just curious and she had to go back to work. So we didn't get to the conclusion. But Archbishop Aquila, he is having this conversation with this man. And so he said to them, well, how are you enjoying this? And he, the man said, this fills me with so much hope. The man said, until six years ago, I was in a dark place in my life. And about six years ago, I realized I really needed to change. So I got clean and sober. And I've been living clean and sober ever since. And he said, but it's hard in the world to live this way. And I said, and I come, he said, I can't see these, these young people. Uh, they're polite, they're kind, they're generous, they're filled with joy, enthusiasm. And he says, it gives me great hope for the world and also for myself. I mean, it's, it's inspires it. You know, so th- there's somebody who's just watching, who's not directly involved. He happens to be just working there. And all of this, the impact that that's having on him and his life. So even though he isn't involved and so on, and I don't know what his religious background is, but when he goes back to live his life, he's always got this image or this memory or the set of memories as there is good in this world. It's like Sam Ganges says to uh, uh, Frodo at one point, there is some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. Absolutely. It just reminds me, Bishop Smith, how important it is to just when we simply live our lives in the ordinary, 
This is when extraordinary things happen. It's not because we're going to go out necessarily and preach the gospel, but here's this focus group coming together with 17,000 people at a conference center, at a, at a stadium, a football stadium, and look at the lives that are being changed. They weren't on the list of people to be touched, the workers and those that are coming in and out, but look how God works indirectly with our simple yes. <laughs> it. It astounds me how God works in these ways. Yeah, I would make a point of talking to like the head ushers or the police officers that were on duty. Is everyone behaving? And they were like, these folks are great. You got to have any <laughs> trouble here. They do what we tell them. They're fine. You know, so it, just, it was just wonderful the, the, just seeing the impact on, on them of all of this. And the witness, even though there are no words necessarily said, it's the witness of life in the ordinariness of life. In fact, uh, just this weekend, I was covering masses for the Epiphany at the cathedral on Saturday and Our Lady of the Lake on Sunday. And one of the things I pointed out in the homily was, where did the Magi find Jesus? In a manger, in a stable, in the ordinariness and simplicity of life. And so often, that's where the Lord is. And if we we need to be like the Magi and look beyond ourselves to let the Holy Spirit, guide us to where Christ is present in the ordinariness of our life. And that's how the world changes, because priests and bishops and religious say these things, but it's ordinary people living extraordinary lives of faith in the circumstances of their ordinary lives. That's a witness that really speaks to other people. Mm. You mentioned, Bishop Smith, that you had time, maybe a little bit of time with the Oregon contingent to just to, to see some of the different folks from the University of Oregon <laughs> that attended this conference. What was your takeaway or just maybe what what kind of settled for you and maybe for the people of Oregon? Do you know just how this conference impacted? OK, here's my next step in in progressing in my faith. I wasn't able to have that kind of conversation with them, but this was generally I said a few questions how's the conference for you? And they were very enthusiastic and excited and loving it. So yeah, uh, I think just that alone, because you, you're a few people in this vast campus that is very sort of secular. And now you have an experience like this and you go back and you can always think, remember, you know, we were at this conference. There are thousands of other people like us and we can, we can, we can endure what's here because we know there's something far bigger going on. This isn't just me soldiering away in this situation. There are plenty of other people doing the same thing. And God is at work in the midst of this. Yeah, God is at work. I think it's great for us to keep all of those campus ministries in our prayers. If you're involved, you've got a college student, university student in your family at your parish, be praying for them, figuring out ways that you can continue to support them, and especially our focus missionaries, those right here at the University of Oregon and Eugene. So a great, uh, there is so much hope, and we love to see it in our young people. With that, Bishop Smith, thanks for joining us once again on The Voice of the Shepherd. Would you Help us close with your prayer and blessing. Certainly. Let's turn to the Lord. Father, we thank you for all that you do in this world and in the lives of so many people. And Lord, we ask you to help all of us in whatever way you lead us or give us opportunities to be missionaries, to be missionaries for you, even if it is simply in the witness of our lives, 
that people would see in us your light, your presence, your peace. And we ask you to bless us all now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And thank you all for joining us on The Voice of the Shepherd. For Bishop Peter Smith, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.